It is a Monday get-together here on Birds 365. We've got uh, our own Ronald Torres, Jeff Kerr, sitting in next to me today. All he does is produce when you put him in the lineup. And John McMullen, my usual co-partner in crime, is up as a guest because he's got to do testing again today. Not algebra or uh, physics. No, he's got uh, COVID testing so he can continue to cover the birds on a day-in, day-out basis. John McMullen, I know you're joining us now, but uh, if you get over to the Novacare Complex and you run into Ben Simmons on the COVID test line, uh, please get back to us and let us know how both <laughs> you and Ben test today. Yeah, it's funny how I, I always say, you know, I said it about Aaron Rodgers this offseason when everybody was talking about him potentially retiring. I've never seen anybody walk away from a check that big no matter how much money they have. And, you know, the check was getting too big for Ben. Uh, so he's going to show up and take all the vitriol that he's sure to receive. It's it's not a good situation. The Sixers probably should have gone a different route. But that's for uh, Sixers 365. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Burns 365, we got Tom Brady thumb injuries and John Gruden stories and – craziness uh, Carson Wentz by the way really really played well last night uh, you know the other quarterback was uh the issue for him but uh that's the best that I've seen Carson play in a long long time yeah John uh, you kind of brought up um uh, my initial point here with John Gruden don't you feel like something's getting buried with the NFL right now because this all came out because they're investigating the Washington football team for all the transgressions they're doing Oh, my God. I, I can't believe how many people miss this. And, you know, in, in some ways, it's, I don't want to say good from the NFL standpoint, but they are putting the shiny ball ball out there so you distract you from the other uh, bigger issues. And the fact that, you know, you got, I don't know how many emails from this uh, investigation from the Washington football team. And Jody, you might remember when we had your um, uh, Dan Lust on, uh, your buddy's friend, the sports lawyer, uh, uh, your buddy's son, I guess. Yes. And and he uh, uh, is great at these types of things. And he picked it up right away and, and said, you know, they have this massive investigation with lawyers and, you know, Dan's a lawyer. Anybody who's ever dealt with a lawyer, everybody who knows a lawyer. They write everything down and they don't have a written report uh, for the Washington football team and all the transgressions uh, and Daniel Snyder, obviously, and they work out that little backroom deal. By the way, he'll be back. I mean, it's just a matter of time. Uh, and, you know, you have all of a sudden the timing of these John Gruden leaks to the New York Times. And I, I have no idea of knowing where the New York Times got this, but I got a pretty good idea from a history that it was directly leaked from Park Avenue. So why are they doing that? Well, one, they want to get rid of John Gruden for whatever reason. You know, maybe it's as simple as what he said about the commissioner. Maybe it's deeper. I don't know. That part I don't know. And there's no reason to feel sorry for John Gruden. That's, But that's what everybody's focused on. You know, this league ha has these transgressions, and there's so many more people involved and you have the scapegoat, and they feed it to the frenzy, and guess what? They're going to win. 
because they're going to be satiated until the next controversy, until the next scandal. So, I, I mean, that to me is the bigger picture. No, uh, no, the bigger picture to me is is Gruden's out and the fact that, oh, by the way, they got to play the Broncos this week. And then the week after, they get the Philadelphia Eagles. So well, that team is well, a stone, locally. Yeah, that's locally, a stone cold mess. Yeah. And the Eagles get the benefit from it because the Raiders, after being 3-0, and drop two in a row, and they get their coach booted out in the middle of the season. That's a plus for the Birds. Well, yeah, locally. I, I mean, on the field locally, it's you, to lose a head coach at that point, and they're going with their special teams coordinator, which has been a bit of a theme when you have these short-term interim uh, openings and the fact that the special teams coordinator is the only other coach that deals with the entire team. So usually doesn't work out well. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, I mean, on the field, it's positive. I was just speaking from a larger league perspective. It's just, you know, that doesn't matter. Uh, but sure, for the Eagles, it'll be very helpful. And and so is Tom Brady's thumb injury. So maybe things are starting to fall the Eagles' way. Uh, as they get out of uh, out of Charlotte with an unlikely win, this league's crazy. I, I mean, you saw it again. I go back to last night. You got a 16 point lead. I, I think they flashed that the Colts were 120 and 0 uh, with having that type of lead uh, entering the fourth quarter, uh, and and they lost. You know why? Because this is a new NFL. All that stuff doesn't matter. I mean, if you were up 16 points in 1985, yeah, the game's over. If you're up 16 points against an explosive team in 2021 and you don't keep your foot on the gas, you game's not over. Let's put it that way. John, you know, we talk about this cold strap pick. Obviously, per thank for Tankathon right now, the Eagles would get the sixth pick in the draft. Now, whether that comes to fruition or not ultimately depends on where the Colts decide to keep Carson Wentz as their starting quarterback. But I have to point this out. How can you bench a guy at all if he keeps play not at this level, but keeps playing well and they're losing? What does that tell Carson Wentz at this point? Yeah, I mean, Eagles fans can hope and hope and hope and say he's playing well. It ain't happening. If they're getting the fifth, sixth pick in the draft, I mean, Chris Ballard is shutting them down. They're not getting that pick. I, I don't even know why this is a story. I really don't. I, I mean, you have to uh, – GM Howie Roseman locally says you got to be the bad cop. you got to be the bad cop. Sorry, Carson. We can't give up the fifth overall pick, the sixth overall pick in the draft. We have to keep that. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. Um, that that's that to me is one of the simplest answers ever. The Eagles are not getting, I, I would say, a top ten pick. Uh, if they are in that range, the Colts will shut them down. Now they might do some creative things. They might blame it on injuries. Uh, everybody gets hurt at a certain point of the season, so everybody gets banged up, certainly quarterbacks, and you could point to uh, a small, slight injury that he certainly would have played through. Um, but they're not getting that pick. So, I, I mean, it's great. I guess it's great to talk about, but it's just, it's just not happening. The Colts are not – Chris Ballard is not one of the dumbest general managers in the NFL. 
He understands the value of that pick. And the second part, by the way, you know, it's still early, but this doesn't look like a great quarterback draft the way the college season is playing out. And I don't think Howie Roseman wants three first uh, top 10 picks in this draft. If, if, if by some strange um, strike of lightning um, that, that Chris Ballard becomes the dumbest general manager in the world and they do get three top 10 picks, which would also include them playing down to that type of level. He trade he'll he'll trade one of them and get out uh for you know a twenty twenty three pick or something like of that nature. So I, I guess it's great fodder to talk about, but they're not getting a top ten pick from the Colts. And I've been saying that since day one. I cup couple things. Um I hate to rain on your parade, but I can give you a hypothetical scenario whereby the the Colts pick is Close to the top 10, might be in the not even the teens, the 11 12 range. That division's not that good. Tennessee could be in, in first place going into week 15 at seven and nine or somewhere thereabouts. And the Colts may be at six and 10 at that point. And if you're only one game away, you will you're fighting all the way to the end. And once you get that deep in the season, Carson Wentz will have already played 75% of the snaps. So there is absolutely a a way. I'm not telling you it will happen. A couple dominoes have to line up and fall correctly. But there is a possibility that the Colts could still be in the divisional race until a point where you can't worry about Carson Wentz at 75 snaps because you're already by it. So I I disagree with you slightly there. Um, Yeah, well, if you get down into the teens, it's it's more of a conversation. So I'm, I'm, you know, if you're up at, number six i think as we're standing today if you're at number five with miami and obviously they're getting that pick no matter what so that's great uh if you're up in that range if you're one of the worst teams in football uh it's it's not happening obviously yeah a bad division helps although i do think indianapolis is 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 one of the smarter organizations to to not be to not be fooled by fool's gold, so to speak. They're not going to look at a seven and eight and nine now. I've got to catch myself. An eight and nine division title as some kind of accomplishment. But if you're a mediocre team, you're a mediocre team and you're not in that top five range. So, yeah, that's a different conversation. Yeah, but then again, then again, the Eagles uh, didn't go to the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld until they were mathematically eliminated last year. So I'll just say the teams like winning divisions, and I think Indianapolis would like to win. But, John, follow up on your other point, that Howie Roseman, if the Eagles have those high picks and it's not the year to take the quarterback, you think he'd trade one of them. Why? Because that's too much money in rookies in a given season that – you want to flip it over for another year so you can make that quarterback draft pick the year after? Why do you think Howie would uh, lean toward trading one of three if they've got three picks in, say, the top 12 or 14 of the draft? All of the above. Part of it is money. You don't want all those uh, big-time rookie contracts at one time. Um, Probably more of it is trying to uh, spin off uh, in case the next year's quarterback draft is better, and it probably will be, uh, just from a, a standpoint of uh, of odds perspective. You know, if you're down, you're probably going to be up. 
but uh, that, you know, they're looking at players, obviously, who are going to be in the 2023 draft as well. Uh, I mean, I can't think of, of three picks in the, in the top 10, certainly ever. I, I don't maybe go back to when money wasn't a concern. Um, I can't think of another instance. I remember um, go back to uh, Minnesota had three first round picks, but one of them was a 29. Um, and even that was weird. Doesn't ha- happen very often for a reason. One, it's difficult to get three first round picks. You got to fleece other teams. So from that standpoint, you know, how he did a, a, a very good job of obviously the Miami uh, trade is looking very good on paper early. Um, and again, you know, but remember, and I always point this out, they traded Carson plants for a conditional second round pick in the NFL office. That's what it says. Conditional second round pick. It's not a first round pick until it, until it translate into a first round pick. It, it, so from the league perspective, understand this is all, um, and that's where I go back to Tankathon and sites like that. This is all speculation. Uh, it's a it's a conditional second round pick for a reason. If they would have gave him a first round pick, um, that would have told you they didn't have questions. The fact that it is a content, and I'm talking about the Colts, obviously. The fact that it is a conditional second round pick tells you they put a safety net in there for a reason. That's uh, what I think I want people to understand. John, we were talking about the Miami pick. Um, This one might be one of Howie Roseman's finest moves ever. I mean, he trades down from 6 to 12, gets that first-round pick from the Dolphins, who already have a bevy of first-round picks at their disposal from the Trey Lance deal. Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. And again, when they trade, the Eagles trade down, I understood, but I'm like, okay, they're probably not going to get a guy like Tamar Chase, but they could have got a Jason Bourne, a Patrick Sertan, or a Devonta Smith at six. They trade up and get Devonta Smith. And it seems like through five games, uh, it's early, but Eagles got clearly the better receiver out of the deal and the Dolphins' first round pick. Could this possibly be Howie's best move ever right now? Yeah, I mean, it's a good move from the perspective of, you know, a lot has to do with, I, I don't think things going wrong in the other city is really a natural, in other, a feather in the cap of, of the GM who, who got the better end of the deal. I mean, Miami's made a lot of bad decisions. For instance, if you, uh, you know, they got to be sick to their stomach. They didn't draft Justin Herbert, for instance. Well, you know, all of a sudden the domino effect of, you know, if Justin Herbert was there and, and you had, you know, you probably wouldn't have been in a position to draft a, a, a top 10 receiver. Uh, but if you had a top 10 receiver with him, it'd probably be a different conversation. So, I, I mean, sometimes, it, 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 unfortunately, injuries happen in, in certain cities uh, and things go drastically bad. We go back to what I said about the safety net. That's why the safety net was there. So from the asset standpoint, it was always a good trade. It was a good trade from a blind perspective. And that's when you know it's a good trade. When you don't know who was going to pick who, and it still looked like a good trade. And it still looked like a dumb trade from Miami. And so that's kind of how I, I judge 
I judge that, and it and it is a very good deal from Howie Roseman's perspective. Right, and with what the Eagles ended up doing, it's actually a two-move move that you trade back, but then trade back up to get Devontae Smith. So I think Howie did uh, well on both ends, as a matter of fact. Um, John, Nick Sirianni talked about the challenge of getting ready in only a handful of days for a turnaround on a Thursday night. And he basically went to the, from the way I read what he was saying, the KISS philosophy of keep it simple, stupid, uh, that they're not going to overly... Uh, Can't get much simpler, by the right. way. But go ahead. That That's the way that uh, he's going to play this. Are the Eagles that type of team? We found out this week that they're not a dime team yet. Um, are they the type of team who can go with a smaller game plan, smaller way of doing things, smaller way of repairing? I don't know how you shrink how much the Eagles prepare, much more than it already is. How big an obstacle is it for the Eagles? We know it's the exact same for the Bucks. It's not like the Bucks are coming in well-rested. They got to turn around from a Sunday as well. Are the Eagles under Nick Sirianni, we've certainly never seen it before, but do you think this is something that's going to be harder for a team like them? Um, I, I think it's uh, – and I'm not going to pile on Nick for that because this is the way everybody prepares in this league for a short week. Nobody does anything. And that's one of – we talked about that a little bit last week when Christian McCaffrey made his comments. Nobody likes it. The coaches don't like it. The players don't like it. Uh, but it's a necessary evil. Um from the league stamp, not from the league standpoint, they enjoy it because it's about the money and the extra Thursday night football package. So the Bucks aren't doing anything either. Um, and you can, so you can look at it two ways. I mean, obviously with Tampa Bay and it starts with Tom Brady, I mean, they can go in on a short week. They don't need a ton of prep. You know, he's going to be prepared. He's seen everything. On the other hand, you know, the big problem with Thursday night games is you got to get your body up to speed. Professional football wasn't designed to be played two times in four days. You need some recovery time. In theory, younger people would need less recovery time than 40-plus-year-old quarterbacks or veteran players and all, all that happening with Tampa. Plus, you add on the fact that Tampa's the team that has to travel on top of it it's always a big advantage to be the home team on a Thursday night game. And I guess that's where you get any optimism if you look at it. But um, from the fact that the young players, a preparation standpoint, you would think they would not be as ready as veteran players who understand what needs to be done on these types of weeks. John, I had the opportunity to speak to Rob Gronkowski yesterday. Now, he wouldn't disclose if he was playing or not, but he said something I thought was pretty interesting about the Eagles team. He said, look, I think they're getting better every week, you know, just from watching the film. And he said, this is a front four. He said, I know they don't blitz a lot, but they're going to come after you. And he's, he basically said, Tom is going to have to get rid of the football in order to beat this team. I, I mean, it's it seems like the Bucks are really – really looking at this game as we can't lose this game. This is, you know, this, this could be a trap game for us. Yeah. I, and I think Thursday plays into that Thursday on the road. Uh, as I said, right thumb injury uh, for Tom Brady. Of course it didn't, <laughs> you know, he's still through for five touchdowns. So I, I, you know, I, the guy's amazing, but 
uh, he is his age coming in uh, and he's got to play again. He's got to play Sunday. He's got to play Thursday. Um, as far as getting the football out, I mean, Tom Brady's going to get the football out. I mean, he understands that uh, at this stage of his career. Um, so, yeah, you're probably, for those people looking for sacks, they're probably not going to get sacks. So anytime you play Tom Brady, I always point to the Giants in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's your game plan. Get him off his spots, hurry him up, make him uncomfortable, um, especially with the interior rush. And in theory, that's, you know, an eagle strength with Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. Now, you saw, I mean, you've, you've already seen it in this short sample size. The Eagles' defensive line against a bad offensive line dominated. Uh, when they're not able to dominate, the back seven doesn't hold up. So that's kind of the story of the Eagles. Uh, they're going to be in games where the front four um, can, can put pressure on the quarterback by itself, and when they can't, it's going to get a little bit ugly. Yeah, John, even with his banged-up thumb, I'm going to take the over on 300 yards for Tom Brady. That's just me. Uh, and no matter how old he is, no matter how short the week is, no matter how much his thumb hurts, I'll take the over on him throwing for 300 yards against the Eagles this week. Sorry to say, Eagle fans. Um, and one of the reasons why is apparently the Eagles are not a dime team or so we're told, and I think Tampa will be ready, willing, and able to go to four wide receiver sets so which linebacker will be they be using to try and cover a guy like Tyrone Johnson, the uh, uh, fourth wide receiver? Oh, by the way, their top three wide receivers are all of the Pro Bowl level, so good luck covering all of them. Um, if they do have to uh, try and cover a wideout or a uh, uh, tight end with a uh, linebacker, who's the, that duty going to fall to? Well, the team's nickel linebackers are Eric Wilson and Alex Singleton. They did shift a, a mentality. They're trying to get, obviously, uh, Davion Taylor up to speed. Uh, so maybe as as he continues to feel a little bit better, he gets more and more playing time. I think it's pretty clear, really, going back to training camp, that they they wanted him on the field. I would say, and I've said, and I'll keep saying it, Jonathan Gannon is a former cornerbacks coach. He's a former defensive back. He knows he knows what dime coverage is. He said, we're not a dime team for now. What he meant by that, and he probably didn't say it correctly, is that, well, you're playing cover two. You don't play dime. I mean, what uh, if you're going to play cover two, uh, it, it, it doesn't it sort of doesn't matter. Um, oh, and, and if you think Alex Singleton is a better player than Zach McPherson and they do, and he probably is, then it doesn't hurt to have Alex Singleton on the field. Now, if you're going to match up in man coverage and, and they have four wide receivers on the field, like you were saying, Jody, yeah, you want a cornerback on the field. Even your, even if your backup cornerbacks aren't good, they're going to have the best opportunity and they're not good but they're not playing that type of coverage now if they get to that point where they have confidence and and zach mcpherson and josiah scott somebody like that then maybe they'll play more dime but as far it's like if you go back to tony dungy we're talking about tampa so if you go back to tony dungy and his famous tampa two scheme where this all started, and by the way, I don't like that defense even a little bit, so I'm not 
I'm not a fan of it. Guess what? They didn't play dime. I mean, that's that's not what you do when you're playing that type of defense. How has Zach McPherson come along in his development? And could the Eagles potentially look at him as their slot corner next year and move on from a guy like Avante Max since this is the last year of his rookie deal? I, I you know, I, I think there's a lot of football to be played. I think Avante's been okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I if they evaluate at the end of the season and they say, okay, he's not good enough, I, I do think Zach McPherson is – more of a natural slot corner than an outside corner. And he was kind of played at outside throughout the summer, uh, more out of need than anything else. Um, so ultimately, I think probably his his best and his ultimate role in the NFL, if he's going to be a starting level player, and that's what nickel corners are today, is, is probably in the nickel. Uh, He's done a good job on special teams as one of the gunners um, with Andre Saturé as the other one. Um, and that's his role right now. Uh, but obviously they feel much more comfortable. I think a lot, if Avante Maddox gets to free agency, it, it's, it, it'll always come down to, you know, what kind of offers you're going to get. But I think the Eagles still like Avante Maddox as a player. And I don't think, if your question, Jeff, is is he pushing Avante Maddox right now? Not even close. As a matter of fact, that's my evaluation, and I don't know that uh, Pro Football Focus will evaluate the same way I do. His play on the defect, deflected pass down by the goal line that was, great play, was actually the most physically athletic play that any DB made in that game last week, and that includes three eagle interceptions. That was the best play that an Eagle D-back made in the entire game. So, game. Yeah, I, I think about that. Yeah, that was a big play. Slay's first interception, that was good. That was good. But Avante's play was great. No question about it. So give, give him credit for that. All right, John, I do want to ask you about uh, Lane Johnson. The coach was asked about it again yesterday, and he said, we're hoping to get Lane back this season. That was pretty damn telling. He could have said, we hope to get him back soon. He could have said, hope to get him back this month, since we're just into October. He's still got a lot to go in this month. He said this season, which does not bode well going forward, even though he dismissed the whole, his numbers up on his visor thing. No, no, don't equate that to guys that are already out for the entire season. They're just not with us right now, and I, I want them to know I'm thinking about us. How long are they going to be? I know you don't know, but... Uh, I'm asking you to speculate and read between the lines a little bit here. Are they going to be without Lane Johnson for the majority of the season now? Yeah, it isn't good when the number gets put on the visor. And this is another example of why you don't put numbers on your visor. But, I, I mean, to me, that's a, a, a rookie head coaching mistake. Just now you got to deal with it. And the only people he's put on his visor, obviously, were – guys who are out with season-ending injuries, and Brandon Graham and Isaac Sayamalo. So all of a sudden, 65 shows up on there, and that's the first thing we're all discussing amongst ourselves. Well, does that mean Lane's out for the season? Um, so it, it's sort of like creating a problem you didn't need uh, to exist, but it's not trending in a positive direction. I can say that. Um you know, if you think you're going to see Lane Johnson on Thursday night, I wouldn't bet on that. Uh, and the longer it goes, 
um, the more concerned it is. And now also in the same press conference, he also kind of stated that, yeah, it's going to be Jordan Mailata on the right side moving forward. Um, so they're preparing for a lengthy run without him. Um, it, it's not trending positively. John, I don't want to actually speculate too much into this, but could the potential of uh, Andre Dillard at left tackle, Jordan Malala right tackle, not just last for this season, but perhaps longer, say what, you know, whatever Lane decides to do with his post-football career? Yeah, it could. Uh, I mean, because you take the personal issues out of it, and there was already concern about Lane's ankle, and that was one of the um, early sort of speculatory uh, things that Lane was still struggling with that ankle, was still swelling up, and, you know, some early kind of uh, spin was that maybe he just had enough, maybe he just decided to walk away from a health standpoint. Now, that's not what happened, but um, you know, at his age, his money, um, his injury history, and now you have to talk about, you have to throw the personal aspect into it as well. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles, the, the silver lining to this is Andre Dillard is proving that he can play left tackle in the NFL. Again, that's not necessarily the highest bar because you, you've seen some of the other left tackles. Uh, but he is a he is a starting level left tackle in this league, and you're lucky to, enough to have Jordan Mailata who can play either side. And he he had some hiccups, uh, had some trouble with the silent count. And remember, he's coming off the injury. He'll be fine long term at right tackle, left tackle, wherever. So that that versatility is a nice piece to have, and. You know, I Jody brings up pro football focus, not that they're the Bible, but they have Andre number 20, I think, of 73 right now, oh, and man. Jordan's number nine. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. John, uh, we may not know if the Eagles are a dime team this year. We know they're not one yet, but they could become one. We know they're an RPO team, and they're probably the most heavy RPO team in the National Football League, is an RPO-based offense going to work against this Tampa defense on Thursday night? Boy, I, I, I have to catch myself here because a, I don't, I don't like that offense a little bit. Number one, um, does it catch people by surprise occasionally? Yeah. Um, I think, you but know, does it what, catch people by surprise less with every passing week? Yeah, that's, well, the, that's question. the point. And I just think I, one of the, you know, you get out of there with the win, but boy, uh, Carolina really showed people how to deal with it uh, from a larger perspective. I mean, they completely stuffed, uh, shut the short stuff down. Uh, so can you keep that going? I mean, in theory, um, obviously Tampa Bay has tremendously athletic linebackers, although Devin White surprisingly is not playing well early this season, but obviously he's one of the most athletic linebackers in the league and Levante David's not bad as well. So on paper, Antoine Winfield's supposed to be back. We'll see how that shakes out on paper. 
Um, they should be uh, one of the teams able to handle it. You know, you got Vita Via just destroying um, double teams up front to make things easier for those linebackers. Um, Shaq Barrett's a great edge rusher. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul's not playing all that well, but he's still Jason Pierre-Paul. I, I They have all the talent up front you would need to deal with that that system. I would say that. John, uh, you brought up Vivia, the Dominic and Sue. This is a matchup I'm really looking at with those defensive tackles going up against Landon Dickerson, who's been hot and cold this year. And, you know, the Eagles interior of the line obviously isn't as strong because of their injuries. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I really don't care if Jalen Hurts throws for X number of yards and completes this many passes. I kind of have a feeling the way to neutralize this is to see Jalen Hurts make quick decisions and, and run the football. I mean, what's your take on all that? Yeah, I mean, they were very effective when he when he took the football and actually he pulled it from the running back and they had uh, a couple big plays, not splash plays, but obviously he had touchdowns and, and, and it really they made enough big plays offensively uh, to, to cash in on a great performance by the defense and the special teams. Um, I really do think, and Nick Sirianni says that, I really do think, it, it, you know, it, it is what it says. It's a read on a particular play. I mean, you're not just going to keep the football if you're reading um, the unblocked player is, is, is on you. I mean, you're just going to get blown up. So I, I do think it, it is a lot dependent on what's going on on the field. But I would say that Jalen Hurts has been a playmaker. And even when he plays poorly, and he played poorly in Charlotte, let's be honest, he's still got three or four plays in him. And and that, to me, is a positive part of Jalen Hurts. And we always talk about the mental makeup and the, and the mental stuff, which is intangible, and people don't like that. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of quarterbacks would play that type of game and go into a funk, and it would be over. And I think one of his biggest strengths is to say, all right, that that cliche next play, and, you know, it's bad play, bad play, bad play, good play. And, you know, whether it's the big play, the Quez Watkins or the runs, that's all they needed. I think they're going to need more. They're going to need more consistent play against a, a good team, and, and Tampa Bay is a really good team. Tampa's going to put up some points, so you're right about that. Uh, one advantage for the Eagles, though, is the Tampa secondary is pretty beat up. Richard Sherman comes in off the street, and they've got to throw him out there for the majority of the snaps. We know he's had a good career. He's not what he once was, but uh, from not playing at all, I, I don't even know uh, how much how long he was uh, out of jail before he was out there playing for the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. So it's it's got to be the wide receivers this week, right, John? Tight ends, they've got dynamite linebackers. They might not be as effective as, effective as they can be. It's going to be all about the wide receivers. Is Jalen Rager sitting on a big game this week? Jay Mack, you going to make that prediction for us? Oh, gosh, I can't. Until I see it, I'm not making that prediction. Same here. You know, in a lot of ways, I, I look at, you know, Jalen Rager a little bit like Ben Simmons from this perspective. He's not even nearly close to as accomplished as Ben Simmons, where we started this conversation. 
but he's got people around him who blow smoke up as you know what and tell him how great he is all the time. And I don't think it helps. Uh, I mean, you know, first it was Doug Peterson's coaching staff didn't do this and didn't do that. Now it's Nick Sirianni's. Like, they want this kid to fail. They don't want this kid to fail. This organization is embarrassed by the player picked behind them and the player they should have picked. They want him to succeed. And, you know, there's there's the occasional good play, and we've seen it, but the consistency is not there. The route running is not there. Too much hesitancy. And I don't think he takes accountability for his play. And I, I think it's a lot because of the people around him and say, you're great, you're this, you're that. The Eagles aren't using you correctly. Bottom line is the Eagles use him too much. Um, you know, I, if you want to be honest, they should play more 12 personnel, but Nick doesn't want to play it. And if, and, and the two receivers on the field should be Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins. So he gets more playing time than he deserves and hasn't done enough with it, to say the least. Uh, John, you know, I thought this was kind of interesting yesterday. Um, obviously, Max Williams, the tight end of the Arizona Cardinals, looks like he's done for the season. And I saw a couple Cardinals chatter, you know, even with some of the beat guys. They're like, hey, Philadelphia has a tight end. Um, you know, maybe they should give him a call now. And I, there's no way the Eagles trade Zach Ertz at this point unless they get a good offer, right? Well, yeah, they would need the good offer. But if they got the good offer, I think they would trade him. And the, and the trade deadline is coming up, obviously, November 2nd, I believe. Uh, so we are creeping up on it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Howie didn't go all this way to take uh, a third-day pick. Uh, if it turns into a second-day pick, yeah, Zach will be out of here. Um, because this team's not a contender. They know they're not a contender. Uh, and if they can get what they wanted originally because a contender thinks – they need that piece to get over the hump. That's when this stuff comes together and you get a little bit of that overpayment. And I think the Eagles would jump at that, to be honest. All right, Johnny Mack, you do realize the Eagles are only a half a game out of a playoff spot. Carolina would get a wild card right now if the season were to end and they just beat Carolina. So they're half a game out. So. We're already talking playoffs. We talked about yesterday. <laughs> I'm just not dismissing playoffs is the point I'm trying to make. Uh, and let's see if we can end on an optimistic note. I'm going out there, major prediction right here, right now. The Eagles will not have a touchdown taken off the board this week because of a penalty. That's bold. That's Will bold. you join me in that, Johnny Mac? I, I'm going to go. I'm, I am going to join you because I'm, I'm a big believer in, in regressing to the mean. And it, can, can, it can't continue at this pace. But then again, I wouldn't be surprised with the illegal man downfield or, or the OPI. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they just need the illegal man downfield stuff. I mean, that's just if you're going to run RPOs, they're just – it's going to be part of it. You're going to have to deal with it at times. Um, the the OPI stuff, though, I mean, they they got to get savvier route runners, and they only want they only have one route runner on this entire team besides the tight ends. Obviously, uh, Zach is a tremendous route runner, but Devontae Smith, who by the way is a rookie receiver, is the only good route runner on this team. 
which is kind of sad considering every single aspect, you know, this coaching staff is wide receiver centric. Um, it's, it's, it's just not good enough. If either Greg Ward or JJ Arciaga Whiteside get a PI in the end zone and cost them seven points, they should be cut immediately and replaced by Travis Fulgham. Oh, that's right. We don't have <laughs> no more Travis. Yeah. Uh, Travis no more. isn't even on the practice squad. What the hell was that about, uh, McMullen? He just, yeah, no, I know well, you've yeah, told the, us before the, he's the not great, a good yeah. practice You know, player. I always joked, oh, the Eagles wanted to keep uh, Noah Tagai so badly, and they got swiped by Indianapolis. And everybody makes out like this is a big deal. It was the least big deal in the history of mankind. And all of a sudden, he's back. You know, it. it you know, Travis played himself out of a job. We talked about that back in the summer. Had a really, really bad uh, training camp. Not the best practice habits. Uh, Doug Peterson talk, talked about it. Uh, the new coaching staff quickly surmised it as well. Yeah, I talked a little bit about Jalen Rager. Obviously, he's got the talent to play in this league, Travis Fulgham. You, you have that that four-week period that not a lot of receivers have. So obviously he has the talent, um, but he's got to do the little things that, that don't turn off coaching staffs and don't, because he's bounced around a lot now. And it's, you know, when it becomes, when you get that reputation, you either change it or you find another line of work. I will give my uh, usual partner, John McMullen, credit here because he was not one of them. But there were way too many guys who cover the Eagles, certainly Eagle fans. Oh, my God, the great depth at wide receiver the Eagles have when they were back in camp during this summer, which included yeah. Travis Fulgham, now gone. Greg Ward, they're trying to push him out the door forever. Jalen Rager, we just talked about him for 10 minutes, how he's massively underachieving. Oh, but they had great wide receiver depth in camp this year. That was so blatantly overstated. It was ridiculous. Uh, Johnny Mac, we kept you late. We know you got to get to your test. May you go negative again this week, buddy. We appreciate you not being negative. And joining in on the positive parade today, no Eagle touchdowns off the board. Thank you yes. very much, John McMullen. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's our boy, John McMullen, here with us on Birds 365. All right. Jeff Curzon is dead today. I'm Johnny McDonald. We appreciate you tuning in. Oh, we're countdown to Thursday. Kickoff is early this week. Quick turnaround. It's the same for both teams. Same for the Eagles as it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, we're going to start the look ahead. Plenty to still do here on Birds 365. Stick around. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. 
call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We are your Birds 365 guys. It's Jeff Curran for John McClellan today. Thank Johnny Mac hopping on, doing the guest spot thing. He's got to get into uh, the Novacare Complex, get his COVID test to uh, cover the team on Thursday. Quick turnaround, change everybody's schedule this week. And I did bring this up with John. I want to follow up with you, Jeff, about the schedules. Um, Nick Gianni was asked about the challenge of getting ready for a Thursday night game. And his answer was basically, we're going to uh, dumb it down. We're not going to do as much preparation, bigger game plan, everything else, which is a really honest answer. And I like the fact that he's being honest with us, but that's not good when you're going up against Tom Brady, the most accomplished quarterback in the history of the NFL, the defending Super Bowl champions, a team with more veteran guys who are more used to doing the quick turnaround thing. Uh, the I think the Eagle, the NFL did the Eagles – and injustice here, not, well, that's the wrong word, injustice and the right word. They didn't do the Eagles any favors by scheduling this game for a Thursday because I think it is a major advantage to a team like Tampa, the kind of roster they have, the what they accomplished last year, to be facing off against that kind of team than any other team in the National Football League in a short week. I think it really compromises the Eagles. Yeah, and... Unfortunately, this has a lot to do with the TV contracts, too. You know, this wasn't a game where we at CBS could pick up. I mean, it wasn't a game they could claim. It was clearly a Fox game, and Fox has the rights to Thursday Night Football for one more year. So I think that had a lot to do with it, too. You know, this is our chance to get Tom Brady in the primetime game on a Thursday night, and the Eagle, everybody has to play on Thursday night. So I just think that's the way the schedule lined up. I mean, the only advantage Eagles have is their home. Um, that's it. I mean, that's why the Eagles play the one o'clock game on Sunday. And, you know, I was talking to Rob Gronkowski about this yesterday. You know, 
he said, yeah, we're fortunate we have a 1 o'clock game. Like, you guys do know you have to have a 1 o'clock game because you're playing on Thursday. He's like, I never knew that. And, um, you know, it, it's a, it's actually kind of amazing when you tell some players this stuff. They're like, oh, that, now that makes a lot more sense. And, you know, I, Tampa Bay's going uh, like the Eagles this week. They're not, you know, and, again, they're a much better team than the Eagles. But, you know, they're going like this week. They're, you know, they're just trying to make sure it's, you know, they get everything set for the game. And, honestly, I think coaches, definitely coaches, I, I think they look at this as, okay, let's get this thing over with. You know, we're as prepared as we can possibly be. We'll go through some stuff, obviously. I, I actually think they game plan for this game a little bit in advance. Like, not not like on a Friday, the week that the Eagles will play Carolina, but I think they, they actually prepare for some of this stuff. And then they go, okay, well, we'll go the long weekend round. And, you know, it's like a mini buy, as what Ron Krakowski told me. You know, that's kind of like why some players do like Thursday night football. He said they're few and far between. But, yeah, oh, overall, Jody, it's just – I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of Thursday night football, and I'm a guy who does every night, every Thursday night football game for CBS. And yeah, there have been some good games this year, but there are some matchups where I just wish for once the Eagles could play the Texans on Thursday. I know they don't play Texans this year, but why can't the Eagles play like some team that I don't know isn't any good on Thursday night? I always feel like they're always playing somebody good or a division game, and I don't know. Maybe it's just the way the schedule turns out. Here's where I'm going to get a little bit scared. And I know that the Eagles had a very good game last week in the secondary. I sung the praises of Avante Maddox. I thought he had the most uh, athletic and difficult play in the secondary this past week with, with the ball he batted down uh, right at the end zone. Darius Slate, two interceptions. Steven Nelson, game shutdown interception in the fourth quarter. So the Eagles secondary is coming off a really nice game, and I want to give him a and add a guy and a thumbs up for that. Okay, they got their work cut out for them that much more this week. Um, I got the stats here for the uh, Tampa Bay wide receivers. Mike Evans, 29 catches, 393 yards, four touchdowns, 13.6 yards per catch. That's big. That's bigger than any Eagle wide receiver. That's for damn sure. Chris Godwin, 41 catches. 366 yards, 12.6 yards per reception. Oh, and he's got two touchdowns. And then you get that, that, that Antonio Brown guy, who I thought was done. I thought he was out of the league. I thought we were never going to see Antonio Brown again. He gets his career resurrected just because he's like this with Tom Brady. He's got a good relationship. Oh, by the way, 29 receptions, 325 yards, 16.3 yards per reception. And he's got three touchdowns, two of which he got this past weekend. As a matter of fact, can the Eagles' corners begin to slow down the Tampa Bay wide receivers? No one's really done it this year. <laughs> it's Yeah, they got their work cut out for him. I'll say that. And, you know, I'll add on the point to Mike Evans. You know, people sometimes will say Mike Evans is their third best wide receiver, which I think is preposterous. And, like, Mike Evans is the only player in NFL history to – have a thousand receiving yards in his first seven seasons in the league. I mean, he's beaten Randy Moss to that. That's, you know, that's their red zone threat. Antonio Brown is their home run there. And Chris Gava could be their home run hitter too. They just use him more as a possession guy. And yeah, it's, I don't know how you cover all three of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're not, John Buchanan did misquote, we're not a guy, we're not a dime team. Guess what? You better be a dime team this week because you're going to need it. It's, 
this team is just if they don't get the Tom Brady, which again, Tom Brady has the quickest uh taunt from snap to release of the football in the league, you better be ready. You better be ready to tackle these guys the minute they catch that football. It, it, Tom Brady might throw for 400 this week. And, you know, that's not a knock on the Eagles secondary. That's just how he, Tom, good Tom Brady is has been. And, you know, I, I hope I'm dead wrong about this, but it just feels like a game where Tampa's just going to throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. It's going to be like Kansas City against Philadelphia. They can throw it at will. And if the Eagles can get to Tom Brady, it won't happen. But the problem is you got to get to him. And the one way to do that is Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. And that's one thing the Bucs do struggle with, with their offensive line. They are really good on the offensive line. But Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave basically got to do it, especially Javon Hargrave. He's got to do what he has done all his season. And, oh, by the way, in case uh, they do have to go dime because Tampa could put four wide receivers on the field. They're without Chris Miller, um, who I really liked um, their uh, young wide receiver last year. That's why I was incorrect. I thought they were actually uh, Scotty Miller. I mean, um, I thought they were going to pass on Antonio Brown because I thought they were three wide receivers deep already. And Miller seemed to have this really good, quick developing relationship with Brady. Yeah, we'll bring in Antonio too. But the more the merrier. Just keep us giving, giving us wide receivers. They've got this kid, Tyler Johnson, who was a sixth-round pick last year, who was certainly buried behind all four of those other guys, never saw the field last season. This year, because Miller went to the IR, he's gotten a chance to play. He's averaging 17 yards a catch. And, yeah, he's their fourth wide receiver, so he's not going to get a lot of balls thrown his way. But when he does, they're big play balls. So the Eagles really have their work cut out trying to – shut down this Tampa Bay passing offense. They haven't run it all out effectively, kind of like the Eagles in that way. Um, they they seem to be eschewing the run this year. Fournette's had a couple of... They have a reason to, though. Look who their running backs are. Ronald Jones, is, I don't think he's good at all. I think he's done after this year. Um, Leonard Fournette, he... He's Let me ask you, what happened to Ronald Jones? Because Ronald Jones was a pretty productive player for them, but there has been a significant drop-off from him production-wise. Why do you think that is? I think it's more, you know, again, I think it's more pass protection. I don't think he's a good pass blocker, so he just doesn't see the field as much as you would like to see him. I, I mean, he still kind of carries the football efficiently. He was actually pretty good last year. I thought he was going to turn a corner, and then playoff Lenny showed up, and you didn't see much of Ronald Jones. And then they brought in Gio Bernard, who is a better receiver out of the backfield than either of them. And which is, I always thought this was ironic when people tell me Leonard Fournette can't catch passes out of the backfield, but yet his last year in Jacksonville, he had 70 catches. So he obviously can catch. It's just, they don't like to use him like that. I just feel like it's, it's definitely a rotation. Um, But at the end of the day, it just seems like Ronald Jones has fallen out of favor there. If there's anything Tampa needs to do is get that running game going. I mean, their rush offense is is is, is terrible, but their rush defense is that good. So it kind of makes up for it in the sense if you want to look at between the trenches. He is Jeff Kurt. Uh, I am Jody McDonald. This is Birds 365. All right, quickie timeout. We'll come back, set up hour number two. I'm excited about the guest we're having. He is uh, a former partner of mine. I've had way too many partners in my life. McMullen, Kerr. How about handsome Harry Mays? 
for those of you who are uh, big time Jacob Media YouTube channel users, you know Harry will be coming up in a couple of hours right here on the middle. I said, Harry, get up early with me tomorrow morning. Do us a favor. Up on Birch 365 said to you, for you, Mac man, not a problem. So Harry Mays in the middle is going to join us. Coming up, oh, about 20 minutes from now. Here on Birds 365, stay with us. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We are your Birds 365 duo. Today it's Jeff Kerr. Johnny Mac. Uh, Jay Mac has uh, testing duties down at the Wells Fargo, excuse me, not the Wells Fargo, the uh, Nobergare Complex uh, for covering the Eagles this week. Uh, maybe that was a Freudian slip when I went Wells Fargo Center because I'm going to uh, issue a, another Ben Simmons warning here for all those of you out there. And here's what I mean by that. Um, and in case you missed it, in case you just tuned in to Birds 365, yours truly went uber positive uh, earlier in the show when I predicted the Eagles will stop the bleeding when it comes to taking points off the board. No penalties on a touchdown play this week. They make it a weekly occurrence, or at least it seems that way. Not happening this week. They will get that out of their system. So that's my positive note for the day. Here's where I 
kind of swing back over to the other side, Jeff Kerr, and I need your input on this. Let's say the Eagles don't win on Thursday night. They're, oh, by the way, a seven-point underdog at home to Tampa. And there's a reason for that. The Bucs are the defending Super Bowl champions. They're 4-1. and one. Tom Brady threw for 400 yards last week. There's a lot that goes into the Eagles being a seven-point underdog a couple of days before the game. Um, let's say the odds makers have this one right, and the, the uh, Eagles aren't able to capture a victory. Now, I'm not even going to necessarily say blowout. Uh, the Bucs win by double-digit point. No, the, the Bucs win. That's all we need to know. That will make the Eagles 0-3 at home this year. They've won two games. Both of them have been on the road. This will be their third home game of the year. And if they lose, they're going to be 0-3. Will the natives get restless down at the link on Thursday night? If they are down by two touchdowns fourth quarter, uh, the RPOs aren't working. Will we hear booing at the link if they're getting beat by the Bucs uh, late stages of Thursday night's game? Is Ben Simmons going to be at the game? Uh, that, that was where I was going with this. We've got two major issues in town now, as far as I'm concerned, with how the fans are going to react during home games. Oh, you need me to go out on that limb. Ben Simmons will be booed significantly. I won't go to unmercifully, but significantly booed when he takes the court at the Wells Fargo Center. I'll be there next Friday night, so I'll have to give you an update on the text or send you a video or something there, Jody. It's, Please do so. It's I going would, to be something. I'll, I'll tell you that much. It's uh, I've, I've seen that place as loud as it can be and as quiet as it can be. But the, overall, it's it's unfortunate, really. I mean, I, I guess unless you just appreciate the opponent the Eagles are playing, I yeah, San Francisco isn't as good as we thought they were, but also Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt. Still, though, on paper before the season, you're like, okay, that's going to be a tough week two game. And you knew what Kansas City was going to be. You knew what Tampa Bay was going to be. I mean, both these teams were in the Super Bowl last year. So we got to put that in their, into perspective. But, yeah, I mean, 0-3 at home, it's, it's tough. It, it really is. And I don't think this team deserves to get booed for losing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers unless they just get absolutely blown blown out of the building, you know. But – I mean, you just got to look at the opponent. You got to look at where the Eagles are at and where the Bucks are at. It's a transition year. And, you know, we have to remember this when the Eagles were really good back in the early Andy Reid days. You know, the Eagles were the team that they would come into a team's building and you knew you didn't have a chance. And, you know, if you just kept the game close, it was a moral victory. Well, then, you know, the Eagles would be up like 24 to 3 at halftime. And then, you know, that, that all went out the window. And then that frustrated the yards. That's how I kind of look at this game right now. It's, I just hope it's close at halftime. I really do. I, I hope the Eagles stay in it, fight hard. You know, if they win, awesome. You know, they'll, they'll prove me wrong 10 times over. And I'll come on in here and I'll say, I was dead wrong. And, you know, and I'll really hype up this team going forward because three and three with the schedule coming up. All of a sudden, that playoff conversation comes back in. But, you know, hey, I'll take two and four after six games at this point. I can't get to it unless they just look absolutely, completely terrible, which I don't think is going to be the case. I actually think they'll give this team a fight, but it could get ugly. I will say that. Mm, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a competitive game. We'll 
it could be one of those games that's not as competitive as it looks. They're up by 20. But then again, we had that last night. Can the Eagles put forth that kind of rally that the Ravens did? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, Sometimes you get a game that looks like it's out of hand. You get a couple of late scores. And that's been the case with a couple of the Eagle losses this year. They got some, oh, by the way, yards and points against the Kansas Chiefs. They got some, oh, by the way, points and yards against the Dallas Cowboys. And you have to factor that in on the overall uh, evaluation of how this offense has played so far. Um, and it could be a third game like that this week against Tampa. Or it could be a close game that Brady throws a 65-yard touchdown pass in midway through the fourth quarter that blows it up to a 13-point lead rather than a six-point lead. So I don't know how how, far, how it's going to go either way. But I don't think it's Tampa goes out by two touchdowns, makes it three touchdowns, opens it up to four touchdowns. I don't believe the Eagles are going to get their tails kicked. I think they're going to hang tough in this game. Uh, that's just the, the way that I see it ahead of time. But I got to tell you, Jeff, you're a smart football fan. You're a professional. You're a, um, a, a good uh, NFL writer. Yeah, Eagle fans aren't going to look at the game like, well, we've got to take into consideration the level of the opponent. No, if they're losing their third straight home game and people have been going down there, and oh, by the way, it's a Thursday night game, which means the imbibing could be a little bit heavier than a regular one o'clock Sunday game. Oh, no, I think the birds are going to hear about it when they fall behind in this game. If it gets to more than a touchdown lead, oh, I think they're going to get booed at the link. You know, I, I always joke about this with the whole booing thing. Everybody always likes to mention Philly fans boo, boo Santa Claus. It's such a, a tired-out narrative. I get tired. I, how about we change it with this? Philly fans are so passionate. They literally booed the football team one half after in the first game after they won the Super Bowl. That's how I always look at it. I'm like, man, I love this city. I love this town. I love how passionate the fans are. One half, one half after the Super Bowl, their first game back at the Super Bowl where the banners race, the team gets booed at halftime. I absolutely loved it. It, it. It's, you know, so yeah, I mean, it's very possible, but I'm just hoping this is a game where it's, you know, it's like 17, 17 at halftime where, you know, the defense is, you know, playing hard, even though they're giving up a lot of the yards and, you know, Rationally, I'm like, look, just be in the game in the second half. Make this team earn a road win. And look, just from hearing Tom Brady speak this week, talking to Grog yesterday, Bruce Arians, this team is not taking the Eagles lightly. They know because they took the Bears. They basically said they took the Bears lightly last year on Thursday Night Football, and they lost. That was the whole four game, you know, with Tom Brady, you know, the four – the, the, the whole, it was at fourth down, and that was a road game for them. And, look, Tampa knows they're going to get every team's best shot this year because that's what they are. They're the Super Bowl champions. You know, this is the team that you want to aspire to be. And I'll tell you what, if, if Nick Sirianni can find a way to pull this off, a lot of people are going to change their opinions on this coach. True, um, because uh, the Eagle fans, like a lot of other fans, I think that we we get a little Eagle-centric, certainly here on Birds 365 here in town, about how the way the Eagle fans behave. There's a lot of teams. You're a national guy. I do a national show. There's a lot of teams that are passionate and are ready, willing, and able to air their disgruntled uh, stance when the team starts to go bad. 
and subscribe to the Janet Jackson mentality of what have you done for me lately? Like they did first week after the winning the Super Bowl. Um, there, there's a whole bunch of other towns that would have done exactly the same thing that Eagle fans did. Uh, the other thing that I think is, is again, it's, it's across the board of fans in town, but maybe a little bit more focus here in Philadelphia. They got people I don't like. And Tom Brady is one of them. Um, and again, this is not just the town here in Philadelphia. Old Jet fans hate Tom Brady and Dolphin fans and Bills fans. There's a whole bunch of fan bases out there that can't stand Tom Brady. There's probably 31 of them, as a matter of fact. And a little green monster called Jealousy as well. Um, but uh, we know that the Eagle fans do love the fact that they stuck it to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So you may have an extra motivated quarterback coming into town. Not that I think Brady needs any extra motivation. There's a reason that he's the GOAT because he does prep and get ready and is motivated for every game he's ever played. But I um, think Brady's carrying a little extra motivation into this week because it's the Eagles and uh, he gets a chance to, not right the wrong of 2017, but balance the scales a little bit. I'll give you a little more of my conversation with Gronk because we talked about the Patriots game. And, you know, was Tom extra fired up? He said, look, I've known Tom for a decade now. He said he will never show anything. Where Like, you knew he wanted to win this game, but he doesn't practice harder. He doesn't prep harder. He just goes about his business. And he said, you know, he he knows the reception he's going to get Thursday night. He just does. It's, you know, I mean, look, Brady just said it like two weeks ago. About, you know, we all know I can't catch it's all the Super Bowl. And you know, I love how he actually mentions that. Like, you can't stand Tom. I actually think – I actually really like him since he went to Tampa because he's out, outside that fraud of a head coach in New England. Who, by the way, it's a Brady way. But <laughs> – and not the Patriot way. But I digress. Um, I just love how he opens up a lot more in Tampa Bay. You can tell Bruce Arians at least the side of him that – Everybody seems to like it, – it's funny now, like, people are starting to hate Patrick Mahomes because all he does is win, and now he's not. And they're like, oh, yo, Justin Herbert's better, Lamar Jackson's better, Josh Allen's better, they all beat him. And it, it, it's funny what happens when you're really good at something. It's, you know, everybody just wants to wants to tear you down. And Tom Brady just goes, hi, hi, I'm still winning. And it, it's, it's great TV, it really is. That's why I love covering this league. It's – you want to see who rises to the top, and then you want to see everybody just kind of hate the guy that's on top. And it's it's just hard to hate the guy who literally all the guy does is win. That, that's why the Eagles' Super Bowl win is so big to me. They got Tom Brady at his absolute best and beat him. That It's still incredible when you think about it. I want to give you a chance to just kind of put it in context because you did say that fraud of a head coach up in New England. <laughs> Uh, he's a pretty damn good head coach, Jeff he's Curry. He's like one of the greatest dope. coaches of all time. I want to say that's over the last year and change, we found out who was more uh, attributable for uh, New England success. Yeah, Brady is, has run out and opened a very wide lead over Belichick, but still, that doesn't make Belichick either bad or a fraud. 20, 27 and 31 since with coaching of the Patriots since Brady left in 60, I think it's 64 and 76 <laughs> since, um, you know, without Tom. Again, I, I do appreciate everything Bill Belichick's done from the game from a defensive standpoint. He's always, you know, if you ask him a really good football question, 
he gives you an excellent answer. The guy's the greatest story in the game. But I just get tired of people saying he's the GOAT of coaches. He's got the most championships. Uh, yeah, again, do I think he's the GOAT of coaches? I don't know. Win without Tom Brady, and we'll find out. Don Shula won without Dan Marine. You know, again, uh, Vince Lombardi could win without Bart Starr. I, I mean, I, I know he, he mostly had Bart Starr for most of his career. But, again, guys like that won with different guys. Andy, look what Andy Reid's done with the, the cast of quarterbacks he's had. So, I I do think Bill's going to be in great shape with Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is a really good football player. Bill made a great pick there. I just I just want to see Bill do it without Tom Brady. But again, he he also drafted him, played the role in drafting him. So you gotta you gotta take both into consideration. It's maybe fraud's a little bit of an overstatement, but yeah. I just get tired of hearing Bill Belichick runs miles around Andy Reid. He really doesn't. That's a very fair stance that there's a debate as to whether he's the greatest of all time. And I'd kind of lean toward Lombardi myself, but that's uh, a conversation, yeah, I'm a, a, li- <laughs> a lengthy conversation for another day. But yeah, as much as, and I'm a Jet guy, so you know I can't stand the Patriots. I got to give him his props. He's one of the greatest coaches of all. He might not be the greatest, he's one of the greatest coaches. And yeah, really want to use that word fraud there, Rick? I'm not sure we want to call him a fraud. Right, right, right now, post Brady, it's kind of fraudulent, but he is uh, overall, he's not a fraud. I, I actually, one of my favorite 30 for 30s is the two Bills. I, I love how Belichick and Parcells just stare down each other that first time they play each other. But Parcells is the coach, they don't even acknowledge each other. It's, they just kind of look, and that's it. I'm like, what a savage. Uh, like, between both of them, I, I, like, I'm sure Bill's got, like, a collection of, like, receipts that he has about them. It's, it is hilarious. They look like they would rip each other's hearts out, and that's part of the reasons why they're both as good coaches as they were. All right, we're going to take a quickie time out here on Birds 365. Scheduled to join us is Handsome Harry Mays, of course, uh, co-host of the, mid, uh, the Midday Show, the middle here on... Uh, the Jacob Media YouTube channel. But Harry knows his way around the Eagles as well. Uh, so we haven't had H. Mays on since way back in the summer. We'll punch him up next here on Birds 365. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We are Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We're just blossoming out with the Jacob Media YouTube channel because of our next guest. You catch him every day right here on the middle on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. One Mr. Harry Mays, who not only has the great banner going behind him, because he's got about 42 different banners he uses on the middle (laughs) as a backdrop. He's got the birds up there for us today. I know he's going to be paying attention to the birds on Thursday night because... Well, there's no golf to interrupt his Eagles watching uh, because they don't play on Thursday nights on the PGA Tour. Uh, but, Harry, good to see you, buddy. How you been? Uh, actually, they do, Jody. The CJ Cup will be on uh, Thursday night from Las what? Vegas. No, no, stop it. You're yeah, lying. actually, that's there's a really no good Thursday field, Jody. Night golf. Yeah, there is. It's the first round. You got to get, you know, I put first round leader bets in. I got to, you know, I got to keep tabs on that stuff. So now I'll have where both. Where are they coming from? Las Vegas. Isn't it going to be over by the time the Eagles and, and Bucks kick off? Uh, no, it'll be like 515 out there. So they'll still be playing for a little bit. Jeez. All right, you'll have a backdrop of the Rolling Hills of Robazonia. You get Mr. Burks Cali over here. No, I don't actually. If you if you can send me some pictures, I'd be happy to put them up. <laughs> What's going I'm on, Jeff? Jody, good to be here, man. Harry, good to see you, buddy. And uh, yeah, please turn over to the Eagles by kickoff. But uh, even though you may have action on who's going to lead after the first round, you, you should be there for kickoff. Uh, we haven't had you on since the summer, back in uh, preseason and the like. Remind me what kind of a season you thought it was going to be for the Eagles. I thought it was going to be about a six or seven win season. Uh, you know, no playoffs. I never. I never uh, fantasized about something like that. I thought it was a a look-see is basically the way I described this year because we didn't, there was so much we didn't know about this coach and this coaching staff. And of course, you know, we don't know if Jalen Hurts is the, is the guy going forward. And this is like this one year sort of audition to see if he's a guy that uh, you're going to keep as your, your quarterback, or are you going to invest with all this draft capital that they're probably going to have early in the draft on the, on the future, or do you trade that away to maybe lure a veteran in here that, that may become available? And I just figured this was 17 games to figure that out. But the crazy thing is, is we're five weeks into this thing now, and I don't have any more idea as to the answers to either of those questions than I did back when, when I was on with you in July or August or whenever it was. All right. It feels like too Jalen hurts. It's 
I don't think he's ever going to be at the level of Patrick Mahomes. No, you know, Justin Herbert, Russell but, Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But can he develop into like, look, Lamar Jackson was always a freak athlete, but the way he throws the football now is insane. And mm-hmm. same with Josh Allen. Like, do you think he could potentially become that type of player? Well, I, I think there's the potential there. If the coaching staff allows him to, I think they're sort of dumbing this whole thing down this. I don't know what the offense is. I mean, it's swing passes and wide receiver bubble screens, and it's just, you know, it's a lot of short stuff. And then, you know, when they get behind, which they typically are, it's like one read, and if that guy's not open, tuck it and go. And I don't think that kind of offense is sustainable at the, at the NFL level to win a lot of games, number one. And number two, it's not going to really develop your quarterback. Yeah, but did look pretty good last night with Lamar Jackson when he rallied the Ravens from. A yeah, he's a rare depth. bird, though. I mean, he, you know, yeah, he's he he's is. a special Raven, <laughs> if you will. Kind, kind of is. Yeah. I, I acknowledge that. Um, you just said to Marion, uh, I, I applaud you for saying it, um, but I want to ask you how others look at it. You said, I have no more of an idea as to whether Jalen Hurts is the guy or not. You're right. But yet there are a whole bunch of people here in this town, mostly fans, some media members, that want to declare what Jalen Hurts is already. Mm-hmm. That he's not good enough. I've seen enough. No, what are they doing? He can't play. They can't run the RPO offense all year long. He doesn't throw the ball well enough. Five games. Mm-hmm. And then there are others that want to say, this is the guy. He's going to take us for the next decade. He's got numbers that you can use that show he's doing things that no other quarterback Yeah, those numbers can be squeezed and moved and manufactured any way you want. It's still to be determined. We've still got 12 more games yet to go. I don't think it's a bad thing that Harry Major, Jody McDonald, or anyone else don't know yet whether Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the future of the Eagles. Well, you're right, Jody. And it's just, you know, I'm not a hot take guy, and neither are you. I, I, you know, I've known you for a long, long time, and it's like, it's okay to say I don't know yet. You know, I mean, you know, everybody wants to get on Twitter and make some big statement, you know, and get a, you know, get a bunch of retweets and likes, and I couldn't give a crap about that. So, I, yeah, I just keep hey, losing, I just keep losing followers every day anyway. I don't even know if anybody sees my tweets anymore. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm hoping we we can figure this out. It comes, to, uh, you know, December. So yeah. that's that's really my hope. All right. One of the things, too, with Jalen Hurts, I I actually feel we learned a lot Sunday. You know, he didn't play well. And but yet he got a fourth quarter comeback. He Mm -hmm. showed up in that. That's actually what I want to see in the quarterback, because with all due respect to Carson Wentz, as well as he played last night. Mm -hmm. Again, it was you can blame defense all you want. You can blame Frank Reich all you want. But at the end of the day, he did not make the passes he needed to make, even though he had a tremendous game. But Jalen Hurts found a way to make that play. Right. Yeah, that's true. And and that's one of the things you got to like about the kid is he, you know, he's got he's got guts. He's never going to quit. He's a great leader. I think the players really respond to him, you know, which is what, something that we saw over time that they didn't do with Carson Wentz. I mean, it was so markedly noticeable, guys, when they would put Foles into a game. Like, the team just sort of rallied around him, and they responded to him in a different way than they did Wentz. And the same thing when Jalen Hurts came in last year, uh, you know, for this final couple of games. Now, you know, that's that's all quality stuff. I just want to see more 
of the offense unfold and sort of let him let let's see if he really can make all the throws, you know, and make all the reads and and, and the checks and, and everything, because there's a lot to like about him. You know, it's, there's, there's there's pros and then there's, you know, some cons. And I want to try to work out to see if we can get rid of some more of these cons as the years go on, as the year goes on. All right, Harry, uh, if you had caught the show yesterday, you might have had your eyebrows raised because I may have had an actual hot take. Uh-oh. At least I know I got the eyebrow raising out of Jeff Kerr and Paul Dumwich, who I had on as a guest. <laughs> I want to ask you about a particular player on the Eagles. What are your thoughts on Derek Barnett? I think at this point uh, we'd have to list uh, to classify him as a bust for the Eagles. And I think – you know, if he, I don't think he's part of the plan going forward. I think they, the, the Eagles kind of told us that with what they did with Sweat. I think Barnett's going to move on and go play somewhere else, and maybe he develops into a, you know, a great pass rushing defensive end that puts up a lot of tackles for loss and sacks. I, it's not happening here. He's a guy who can't seem to stay healthy, uh, too. You know, which is, you know, held him back. But for where he was taken in the draft, I would have to classify him as a first round bust. So the, the reason why I bring it up, sorry, Jeff, um, is because both Jeff and Damo said yesterday, well, he's a good player. No, he's not. No. I've given up. Right. He, I equated him to Vincent Velasquez of the Phillies. Oh. I, I hung that tough. I hung tough. I hung tough. I hung tough. And then I said, no, boss, I give up. I surrender. Right. No more Vince Velasquez. Yeah. No yeah. more Derek Barnett. I'm done. Yeah, plus all the stupid let's penalties. Let's wait. Let's wait. Let's wait. Ooh, he plays the run. Okay. Let's wait. Let's wait. No, no mas. I give yeah. up. Derek Barnett. Uh, see you later. Bye. And I know they can't cut because of the injury with Brandon Graham. You're going to have to live with him playing a whole bunch of snaps the rest of the year. I have no faith he's going to make any plays for the Eagles for the rest of this season. No, I, I don't either. Maybe he makes one or two, but he's not going to make enough, uh, you know, but because I think I've seen enough too. And how about, how about all the dumb boneheaded penalties that he's committed, you know, during his time here, you know, you know, where if he was drafted in the fourth or fifth round, I'd say, yeah, it's pretty good value for what well, you know, they're getting. He's a starter, you know, and he stay if he stays healthy, fine. He was drafted in the first round. He was supposed to come in here and, and set the world on fire. And he hasn't done it. Okay, here's one for you. And you can ask Barrett this on the middle of the day. Who, who's a better player, Derek Barnett or Mike Mamula? Oh, man. I, mean, I think uh, Mike Mamula did, did get his sacks before his injury. Yeah. I know, but he, and he, was, he was so criticized by the fan base, he couldn't help where they drafted him. Now, and maybe Barnett's the same way, too. But, you know, if you're drafted in the first round, you got to play up to that. And I, you know, I got, I got news for you. Just Jalen Rager's heading there too. Okay. He, he needs to do it a real quick about face and start making some freaking plays because, uh, you know, Jefferson is looking real good with the Minnesota Vikings. Historically yeah, he has yeah. been since uh, draft day. Right. The Eagles have paid that price and they'll continue to pay it through the eyes of their fans. All right, Harry offensive line this week against the Bucks. Looks like Lane Johnson's not going to play Doug, uh, Doug Peterson. Nick Sirianni came out and said, yes, I hope to have him back at some point this year. That's not a good sign no. when he says this year, this week, this month, soon. There's mm-hmm. a lot of ways he could have gone. He went this year. Uh, so it looks like they're going to roll out the same line they did last week with Mylotta on the right, Dillard staying on the left. Mylotta had some issues last week on the right-hand side. He'll probably be better because of it this week. Uh, they're already decimated across the offensive line. They have not been terrible. I'll give them that much credit. They've held the fort even with all the minuses they've had. 
Can they do that again against Tampa's defense this week? Yeah, it's going to be tough. That's a tough ask. And the problem here to me is that Dillard is only a left tackle. You can't move him around to the right side because obviously I think Jordan Mailata prefers the left side too. He had a lot of trouble, like you mentioned, with Hassan Reddick in that one series. Uh, I think Hassan got two sacks in, in two in two plays against him. Uh, so we'll see. I kind of like what I see out of Driscoll as an offensive lineman that they can utilize, you know, at guard or tackle. He might be end up being a decent right tackle before it's all said and done. I give a lot of credit to the coach. Uh, Stoutland has done an amazing job, you know, getting these guys ready to play. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I just wonder, you know, what the heck is going on with Lane Johnson? I mean, I, you know, they've done a great job at keeping it under wraps, uh, but uh, it's it's really, you know, a concerning thing the longer this goes on. Uh, Harry, uh, John Gruen's out in Vegas, and there's a certain coach that we're all too familiar <laughs> with here that has a connection to Mike Mayock, a pretty good one. Yeah. Is it possible we see Dougie P, the, you know, coach of the Raiders in 2022? I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, you, you know, that that is a direct connection there, and, you know, he's sitting back, you know, cashing checks and playing golf, which is what I'd love to be doing, just, you know, playing golf, Getting those, getting those checks coming in from the Philadelphia Eagles for one more year. And then he says, you know what? I, I really, I'm a coach. I want to go coach. And uh, I think he'd be a great fit in Las Vegas. Let me ask you about, uh, and I like Mayock. I have uh, had him on as a guest a bunch of times over the years. I enjoyed his work, broadcast work. Yeah. He had either a play-by-play and or uh, analysis on the draft and all the stuff that he did. His tenure as general manager of the Raiders hasn't wowed anybody. No. Um, They only know how much say he actually has. Uh, Gruden comes in, you know, Gruden's going to be making calls, Mayock, and he worked hand in hand, but I don't think Mayock's overruling Gruden. Mm -hmm. It's probably been more Gruden moves than Mayock moves, but if you just assume that Mayock has a general manager status since he took over, it's not a given. If they end up with only five wins, five and twelve, something like, and the bottom could fall out of this season real fast with the Raiders. Right? No, they were three and zero, but this is going to be a mess going forward. If they have a really bad year, is it a given that Mayock's the general manager of the Raiders at no. the end of the year? No, it's not. And and you're right. This this season could really go unwind really quickly here with this whole situation. That now that now looks like a really intriguing game for the Eagles here in a couple of weeks. You know, when you started looking at them at three and zero, you're thinking, "Man, going to Vegas is great for the fans that are going to go go and have a great time." But might might be a sure loss for the Eagles. Now, you know, not so much. I mean these these things can really you know change a locker room and the chemistry you know that exists with the with the team. So if they go what five and twelve, you know something six and six and eleven. There's no guarantees that uh, that the general manager's back too. Plus that owner, I mean, he's you know he's he's a little he's a little out there. He's <laughs> he's not as bad as his dad. Though. No, no, no. He's There's not. only one Al Davis, <laughs> but Mark right. Mark does have some a little of that in his in the genes. Yeah. You are correct, H Mace. I did have the pleasure of seeing a game at the the. Oakland Alameda County Coliseum and Al Davis ran right by me because really? we were right down on the field in his white track suit that, <laughs> that, that like Gucci whatever track suit with all oh, the jewelry yeah. oh it was awesome I'll tell you what I was actually kind of shocked like Gruden coach Sunday because you know I, I'm colleagues with Amy Trask over at CBS and she was you know Al Davis was the pioneer for women in the NFL and you know getting he hired yeah. the first minority head coach and 
it's like this is the Raiders. Like they're at the forefront of this stuff. Like right. I was shocked. Like John Gruden was even allowed to coach on Sunday. Yeah, you know, he, he resigned. Like they didn't even fire him. Right. Yeah. Now looking back, you know, it it, it, it is kind of uh, glaring. And you know, it's I'm just wondering. Like you know, they got all these thousands of emails. I guess this was the Washington Football Team investigation. You know, what else is coming out here? I mean, do they have anything on Daniel Snyder? I'm sure there's a lot of Washington Football Team fans that are hoping some some emails get uh, divulged from him and they can they can rid themselves of the ownership. But yeah, I mean, you know, this was while he was back at ESPN, and I, I heard, you know, Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy come to his defense on Sunday yeah, night. And he really did. Yeah, yeah, you know, both of them uh, really did. But, uh, you know, you can't, you can't coach men in a locker room with that, you know, with them knowing that that's how you speak about people. You know, you just, you just can't have it. And he had an openly gay football player, Austin. Right, right. Yeah, right. From yeah. the area here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, I, I agree that he had to go. Couple yeah. of things. Um, first and foremost, you're right about the Redskins. That's or uh, the Washington Football Team. That makes what Gruden did worse because they haven't found anything yeah. on Daniel Snyder yet. You don't think that if they hadn't found that wouldn't have leaked? Oh, they've gone through all these emails and uh, yeah. they the only thing they found is Gruden doing obnoxious things. Daniel Snyder's smarter than putting. What he needs done in an email would be my first thought. Um, so that tells you something a little uh, about Gruden. I want to put this to you because I got this as a call last night on WIP. Someone said, yeah, you know, Gruden compared to other guys who have uh, violence against their girlfriends and their wives. And like they get second chances. What Gruden did was just type out emails. Now, it's obnoxious. It's It can't be accepted. Uh, but it isn't physical violence against another person. He wanted to know if I thought Gruden would ever get a second chance. Hmm. And it's his third chance or whatever. He walked away, came back. Blah, blah, blah. But off what's transpired here and his walking away, didn't get fired. He walked away, which we know full well could have been a negotiated right. walking away. And he probably got some of his contract going forward. That will come out over time. We don't know it just yet. But as of right now, he resigned as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. He's getting a little up there in age. I don't know if he's ever going to want to do it again. Different people are motivated differently. Does he want to come back to try and take away a little of the stink of the way his career ended? Assuming he wants to come back. Can John Gruden never coach again in the National Football League? I highly doubt it. I don't think so. I think this is it. I really do. I mean, you know, I don't know if you'd want to or or whatever. You kind of want to, you know, write your own ending if you right. can. But few of us really ever get the opportunity to do that. And I, I think this is it for I think this is it for him. Speaking of uh, controversial coaches, uh, Urban Meyer just can't <laughs> help himself. Uh, you know, we're, we're past the whole whatever he did in the Ohio thing. And this week drew my attention because I cover the league and he said Trevor Lawrence wasn't ready to do a quarterback sneak, and Trevor Lawrence was just vehemently disagreed with him. He said, I don't know what the guy's talking about pretty much. And it just seems Urban can't get out of his own way with this football team. Yeah, they might they might want to leave him on the tarmac at Heathrow Airport when they arrive in London this week. You know, give him the old Lane Kiffin treatment. But yeah, he's they didn't fly back with the team from Cincinnati. That's why true. should he fly back from London? Yeah, that's that's true. That's a very good point, Jody. Yeah, you ever heard of an NFL coach doing that? I mean, college coaches do it. 
you know, because if they're recruiting, you know, somewhere, right. you know, they, they might go see a recruit and then fly home later, whatever I, it I is. I never heard of such a no, thing. No, no, never. <laughs> and then, and then you see the video and I'm like, I didn't see any grandkids in that video. You know what I mean? I, I, I saw, you know, it was a, you mean that Quite, young lady kind of I, bumping up against him, yeah. one of his grandkids? Kind of bumping. Oh, that's up what against, I thought that was. Oh, kind oh. of bumping up against him, and he had his hands inside like an offensive lineman should. You know, he didn't get him outside. He had the hands inside, Jody. No, no holding on the play. That's good. That, no. that might have kept her from getting. By the way, what are you deserve the Dolphins and the Jaguars in London this week? I'm not sure if I want to get yeah. up and, and watch uh, early morning football. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think the NFL really wants the people in uh, England to enjoy the NFL product because they keep sending just garbage games over there. What was it uh, last week? The Jets and the Falcons ended up being, you know, some points being scored. But uh, that's I don't think that's going to convince anybody to put their Tottenham Hotspur scarf away and uh, buy an NFL jersey. Well, now they got the three finalists for uh, Germany, uh, Dusseldorf, uh, Munich, and I think Frankfurt's the other one. It's they plan to have four of these a year, two in London, I think one in Germany and one in Mexico City. It's, oh, wow. They better have better games than this. Yeah, you're, you're not you're not kidding. Since you're so on top of it, Jeff, I think you got to get that assignment. <laughs> yeah. CBS, you uh, got yeah, to send Jeff Kerr like, over there. Jeff Kerr to Dusseldorf. Oh, God. Let, let him get some <laughs> they, loggers they, in. You know, they talk a little bit like that in Burks County, like in Dusseldorf. You <laughs> might be able to communicate I, I actually, I'd be the guy to play. Why are we here? Why aren't we in Munich? Or, you know, I'd be that guy. Right, right. Age maids, I want to jump back over to the Eagles for a second. Uh, we kind of beat up, or at least I did, on Derek Barnett. Can we do the same beating up of uh, Jalen Rager? I know he's less long-term than Barnett. Barnett's had that many more chances. He's actually done a little bit more than Jalen Rager has in his career. He was a first-round draft pick. We know Jefferson was picked after him. We know we know what he's up against. But maybe it's just because the guy has handled his off-field stuff with social media and the like as questionably as he has that I'm running out of patience with him, too. Yeah, I've written off Derek Barnett. As I said, done. I'm getting dangerously close to that with Jalen Rager, and we're only – 21 games into his career as an Eagle. Yeah. Am I, I overreactive? No, I, I, well, maybe we are because I'm, I'm the same as you on this one too, Jody. Uh, we probably should let this thing breathe for, you know, two full seasons at least. Uh, but I'm just saying I'm, I'm heading there. And if he doesn't start making some, you know, some plays, you know, whether it's in the return game or as the wide receiver, you know, we keep getting all these, these guys drafted like Ortega Whiteside. I mean, that, we knew, we knew what that was early on and we were right. Okay. You know, and then you start hearing about, whoa, he's a great blocker. Give me a break. You don't draft a guy at the wideout position in the second round because he can block. So uh, I'm heading where you are with Rager. Yeah. I, I, you know, maybe after two seasons, I'll make my final declarative statement on him. My hot take. I'll put it out on Twitter. Since, since I'm, uh, we're going the hot take around here, where would you rank Jalen Rager on uh, first round bus for the Eagles right now? If you, Based on what we got. Right. 610. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Harry, let me throw you a uh, stat for this upcoming game on Thursday. It comes courtesy of another friend of the show, our buddy Ed Kratz, who is Johnny Mac's uh, go a conspirator at the Sports, Sports Illustrated, Illustrated covering yeah. the Eagles. The Eagles have won seven consecutive Thursday night games. It is the longest streak currently of any active team in the National Football League. 
seven in a row. They are the kings of Thursday night. Wow. I was unaware of that stat. So was I. Until I saw Ed Gratz put it out there last night. Good job, Eddie K. Um, Can they actually win this game against the Bucs on Thursday? Yeah, I think anything can happen in the NFL. I, I'm convinced of it. <laughs> you know, it's it's possible. It really is. Uh, but I don't think they will. Um, you know, the question is that I'd have for Eddie K is what are they ATS in those games? Mm. <laughs> didn't, he, didn't, he didn't tweet that out. You got to you you do like, your own research on that one, mate. Right, right. I, I know the last Thursday night loss. Do you, do you guys remember the last time they lost on Thursday night? Last Thursday night loss. That's a yeah. good one. It's a, it's, a, it's a while, but it's a goodie. You stumped me, Jeff Carr. How are you made you taking a guess? No, don't know. Andy Reid beat him in 2013, third game of the season. When oh. he was oh. that a Thursday night? I thought it was a Monday Thursday. night. No, that was, was a Thursday, Thursday night game. Huh. That was a Thursday night game. Damn, it, I it's... remember it as a Monday. I remember that vividly because I think that was the first time I vehemently rooted against the Philadelphia Eagles because I was so mad over them getting rid of Andy Reid. <laughs> and yeah. Andy was a pretty good Thursday night coach himself. He was. Yeah. Give him credit for that. Um, all right, Harry, if uh, you're worried about ATS, if I gave you seven and a half, would you take the Eagles on Monday night against the seven and a half? I'd take it. You would. Yeah. Uh, would. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Take that. I'd take it. Yep. It's probably so would I. That, that half point. Uh, you know, you give me seven <laughs> and a half. I'll probably take it. <laughs> I, I I'll lucky. sprinkle something on that. If I can get that line. Got lucky on a half point. I had the Packers were my play of the weekend and it came down to two and a half. I oh, got wow. it at two and a half and, you know, the late field goal. I, I, I thought I lost that game about 22 do- times before it happened. I thought I won that game about 22 times before it happened. Ended up getting it by a half a point. But you take those winners where you can get them. All right, right. Uh, what do you got coming up on the middle today? You think yeah. you guys will be talking about Ben Simmons? I think we'll talk a little Ben Simmons. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about uh, a little about John Gruden, and we'll start to look ahead to the, uh, the Buccaneers game on Thursday night. We turn the page today on the middle. By the way, how about the Sixers kind of – making Ben Simmons it's Ben just shows up at the facility like Ant-Man and, and payments hey you know, uh, yeah I know you know that and you know I just always hilarious out like that was probably the third biggest story on ESPN last night behind the football game behind the group and stuff it, right it, like, what a news night last night it really was crazy and I saw Kurt uh Heelan put out a a tweet yesterday I believe it was yesterday either that or the day before that said that uh, Ben Ben Simmons's camp and Ben Simmons would be open to going to Sacramento as one of the de- the destinations. Of course, no one cares there. Well, yeah, right. If, if he could just sort of you know exist without a whole lot of media attention, but the 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 bring back would have been he mentioned Halliburton and Heald and a draft pick. I would do that deal. I would have done that deal three months ago. I'll tell you what, the, the deal I always wanted was McCollum, Covington, and the three first-round picks. I'm like, go for the stars, Daryl. Just do it. Yeah. And I'm kind of a Cavs guy because I like Colin Sexton a lot. And when they got Laurie Markkinen, mm-hmm. I think he'd be a really nice piece. He's under contract for a very reasonable number for years yet to come. So we're getting closer to getting yeah. Ben Simmons dealt out of, t- out of town. Um, but let me get you on this, Harry, and I know you guys will talk about it at length on the middle. Ben Simmons is money. As per our buddy at the uh, crossing board, Kevin Kincaid, he's up over a million dollars in the red now because of the games that he's missed and the practices. The Sixers are within CBA rights to take a million and change out of his pocket. How do you think that's going to play? Do you think they hold the line and go, yeah, Ben, you're out. 
a million dollars. Sorry, you did it, not us. And we told you we were going to do it. So that's the case. If they do that, then you're going to have just uh, Ben off his kilter, off his mind, trying to play for you, which yeah. could be disadvantageous. Or do they, oh, Ben, we really want to get this back. Here's all of your money back. Or do they negotiate it somewhere in the middle? How does the money play? And it'll be something that is, I'm pretty sure, decided over the next 24, 48 hours. How do you think they work it out between the two parties? I think that's probably something that has already been discussed and part of the reason why he's coming back uh, to the team. He's going to make nice for, for a while, hoping that they can work out a trade. You know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, I'll do this if you do that kind of thing. You you give me some of my money back. It's probably I, I don't think they give it all back, but it's probably right. some negotiated sort of negotiated amount. Compromise. Yeah. Now, you know what, Jeff, two things, Jeff. Number one, this segment is stunk because Harry and I agreed on basically everything. You can, <laughs> Harry and I can go back and forth on some stuff, but Maze and I are seeing everything yeah. the same. And uh, Harry, just one little funny thing for you before we let you go. Uh, I, when you're on the middle, you don't get overly caught up with the stream. Mm-hmm. I remember the promo we read, read that we played forever with Barrett wishing happy birthday to all oh, the streamers out there. He loves the stream. He lives on the stream. Yeah. I know you don't, but here's my favorite stream of the day from John Dickerson. They called Jeff Kerr the Dussel Dork. <laughs> now that's good. That, come on. I, I like that. That's Thank quality you. contribution for the show it. right there. Sometimes you got to give the streamers credit yeah. when they come up with stuff like that. Maybe that's why maybe, I love the internet. Sometimes you come up with really good stuff. I like maybe that. Maybe we can get a t-shirt and get it to Nick Sirianni and he can wear it at the next press conference. <laughs> Hashtag Dusseldork. Jeff Kerr Dusseldork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Hey, you know what? People gotta be famous for something, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> He is famous for being on the middle with Aton Chandler and Barrett Brooks. Harry Mays, a pleasure. Uh, they don't tee off for hours on the PGA Tour this week. So <laughs> feel free to uh, have some fun on the middle today without having to worry about golf. Thanks for coming on with us this morning. Appreciate it, Jody and Jeff. Good to be with you. That is Harry Mays from the middle on the Jacob Media YouTube channel here with us on Birds 365. All right. We still got, oh, 15 solid minutes left. Jeff Carr and I will come back. we got a couple more Eagle issues to deal with. Stay right here on Birds comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Thanks for tuning in at I got my guy Jeff Kerr in with me today. He's uh, filling in for Johnny Mac. Johnny Mac was here way earlier in the show. He's got uh, COVID testing uh, to continue to cover the Eagles on a day-in-day basis. So Jeff steps in, as he always does, and does a great job for us. Uh, I want to go back to something we discussed well earlier in the show, and that is uh, what transpired last night on Monday Night Football, the best that could possibly happen for the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz plays well, but the Colts lose. And yes, uh, checked uh, Tankathon this morning to see where the Eagles' potential first-round draft picks were falling. Right now, the Miami pick, which they're definitely getting, would be the fifth overall in the uh, upcoming draft. The Colts pick, which they could be getting, haven't been logged in yet, but just that many more snaps taken by Carson Wentz. So they're moving on up to 75% of the plays. Uh, that would be the sixth pick in the draft. And the Eagles at two and three themselves would be the 10th pick in the draft. So they had the fourth, the sixth, and the 10th. A lot of can happen and change that. It could go up, it could go down. A lot of things can go there, but that's where we sit as of right now. John McMullen and I disagreed a little bit on uh, whether the uh, Colts will pull the plug on a Carson Wentz season. That their general manager, John, firmly believes if they're locked into a quote-unquote lottery type pick. I know the NFL doesn't have lottery, but you know what the lottery is in the NBA as compared to all their other picks. A pick somewhere in the first 12 picks or so that they will make sure that Carson Wentz never gets to 75% of the snaps of the Colts this year. And that's very likely to happen, but I don't think it's impossible that the Colts end up having a bad year because the Titans aren't going to run away and hide in that division, that they're still in the mix well up to week 13 and 14. And remember, we're now going week 18 because we're playing 17 games, that they're still mathematically involved. I don't know if the Colts just want to go, all right, we're done. Let's be honest with ourselves. We really, even though mathematically we're still involved, we're going to tank the season and we're going to pull Carson Wentz from the game. Yeah. Because the other thing that uh, we didn't talk about with John, I want to get your take on JK. You do that, you're severing all ties with Carson Wentz. You know yeah. that, right? 
So as soon as you pull him, we know how he reacted last year to being pulled. How'd that go? You do that with him again when he's playing decent. Oh, by the way, he was god awful with the Eagles, and he lost his mind when they pulled him from the starting lineup. This year he's solid. He's good. He was very good last night, but for the season you would say he's pretty good. If they pull him and that's the case, then you've just written him off and just said, okay, we'll take the dead cap hit. Not as big as Eagles one, but we'll take a dead cap hit and we'll move on from Carson Wentz next year. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they do that. If it's, we got to rebuild, we got to go find another quarterback now, or we don't blame Carson Wentz, even though we may or may not make the playoffs. I I don't know that they're going to pull him and just say, yeah, we're going to protect that first round pick. Yeah, first of all, if you mean to tell me that if the Indianapolis Colts are two games behind the Tennessee Titans in week 14, week 15, in mid to late December, you know, or one game back, they're going to tank the season. Yeah, that ain't happening. Sorry, it's not. Um, they're going to try to win that division, especially since they have, if I if I remember correctly, a late season game with Tennessee. By the way, their wins are going to come. They do play the Houston Texans twice. They, they will play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their wins are going to come. So they're going to be theoretically in it. Um, but, yeah, you are absolutely right, Jody. He, you know what you're doing. Like, I saw Colts fans want to fire Frank Rock, but they want to keep Carson Wentz. I'm like, that ain't how it works. Um, Carson Wentz is here because Frank Reich's his quarterback. I mean, he's co- is that coach. You know, that's why he's here. So if you're severing ties with Frank Reich, you're severing ties with Carson Wentz. And I don't think the Colts really want to do that. The Colts – organization, what I was told this all season, felt they had their franchise quarterback. Well, if you think you have your franchise quarterback, why would you bench him? Or whatever. Especially when he's playing well. It's not like he's terrible. He's not like the world on fire here, but last night showed you a glimpse of how good Carson Wentz can potentially be in that offense. I mean, you know, again, should the game have come down to Rodrigo Blankenship? No, it shouldn't. But you have to look at it. Did Carson Wentz make the throws? He, no, because you're going to make them here. It's, it's again, it's it's a very tough conundrum here. And, you know, a lot of people still like to say the Eagles made a mistake trading him. I definitely am not one of them. You know, he was the worst quarterback in football last year for real. Oh, I'm sorry, second worst quarterback. Drew Locke was the worst quarterback. But he was not good last year. And he needed to change the scenery. He's playing decent in Indianapolis. He played really well last night. Probably didn't deserve to lose the game, but lo and behold, he did. You know, Eagles fans should be happy. They're one and four. He's playing halfway decent. You know, he doesn't deserve to get benched. But yeah, the Indianapolis Colts are not benching him. They're, look, Brent Honey is their backup quarterback. They're not bringing in anybody, a decent backup quarterback, if he gets hurt. Why? Because that might affect him. They know this. I think that's why they brought in Brett Hundley, because I think Jacob Eason was actually someone that he could be concerned about. So let's get a guy in between that we know can't really play, and we'll keep Carson sat on his shoulders. All right. Besides that, uh, do me a favor. Get, you got a pen and piece of paper there? I do, actually. Okay, get it out. Right. I'm going to give you the Colts schedule going forward from here. All You're right. going to give me wins and losses, and we'll figure out where their record is around yeah, week 15, week 16. All right, this week they've got the Texans. So that's a W. Yeah. <laughs> so that gets them to two, two and four. The week after at San Francisco, who see that's a tough game to judge because we don't know who's going to be the quarterback for San Francisco. Will Garoppolo be back? 
Trey Lance has got a knee issue. Will Nate Sudfeld, will the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld be doing the quarterback? Nate versus Carson Wentz, Battle of Ex-Eagles. You got to love it. That should be funny. But uh, it's at San Francisco, so we'll call that one a loss, okay? The week after Tennessee at home. You calling that a win or a loss, Jeff Carr? Oh, uh, Tennessee loves to run Derrick Henry. I'll, I'll go with, you know, well, I got to go Tennessee on that one. Okay, so that's a loss. Uh, so that's now two and six. That's not good. A uh, home Jets win three yeah. and six. Home Jacksonville win four and six at Buffalo loss. At uh, home Tampa, but it's Tampa. Same thing. We think the Eagles are going to have problems. We got to think Colts are going to have problems too. So that's another loss. So what are we up to? Four and eight? Four and eight. At Houston. Win. Houston's terrible. Five and eight. Oh, here's a good one. The next week, home New England. Win. That's two evenly matched teams. Jeff Carr, you got to make the call on that there. Five uh, and I eight. Think win. I think the Colts beat them. Okay, that's six and eight. Uh, at Arizona the next week, loss. Six and nine. Uh, so six and nine. Week. And that's at Christmas time. Keep- that's right at Christmas. That's right at the time Carson Wentz will be moving up to 75% of the plays. I think they're still in it. I think they're still gunning. I yeah. think they're still going for it. I don't think they're going to pull the plug on Carson Wentz this year. The Tennessee Titans aren't the Dallas Cowboys. They're not running away with this division. They're, they're not. It's it, they, they string together wins. It's because of how bad the division is. I mean, this isn't a, a lightning bolt team here. There, you know, there are, and remember, the Titans play a first place schedule. They ought to play Buffalo. They have to play Kansas City. They have to play these teams. It's, this isn't all cut and dry here. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough if they do what we think we're going Maybe the Colts pull off an upset somewhere in there. That might even be better, but it's not going to be a top five, top 10 pick, but top 15, you got a shot. Yeah, I am a uh, big Jeff Carr fan, um, specifically on CBSSports.com. I read whenever you do right. I'm also a big Peter King fan. I take it you oh. are too. Yeah, Peter's very good. Uh, he's as good as it gets. Uh, on Pro Football Talk these days, that's where you find his column, NBC, uh, forever in Sports Illustrated. He took a serious shot at Julio Jones in his column this week that uh, the Tennessee Titans traded for him. And Julio, at this stage of his career, misses a whole lot of games. And he's missing games again this year for the Titans. And uh, they've had both of their top two wide receivers out of the lineup. All of a sudden, their quarterback is coming back to the pack. Uh, he's not quite as highly rated as he has been uh, last year. And I gave him credit because I was never a tiny old guy. When the Dolphin drafted him, I rolled my eyes. When he lost games in Miami, I kind of went down the I told you so road. And he really has had a second stage, second act of his career in uh, Tennessee. But he's not playing as well. And if he doesn't have his top wide receiver, he's not the kind of guy who's going to make a mediocre wide receiver look real good. And if Julio Jones is out of their lineup for a period of time, I'm not going to go that that division could be the NFC least of last year. But it could be close. It's that I rank you, the you could, every week, you so could absolutely have a team winning that division this year at eight and nine. I don't think it'll be eight and nine. I don't think it's going to be NFC least territory. But when I rank the divisions every week, I got to do it to 
The AFC South is by far the worst division in football. It's not even close. Like, the NFC North can give it a run, but the NFC North is the Green Bay Packers in it. There's no one in the AFC South where you just go, oh, yeah, that team's pretty good. No, it's not. It's not a good division. There, I'll say this, Jody. When I rank these divisions every week, there are three really good divisions. The AFC West, the NFC West, and the AFC North. Then you got the AFC East and the NFC South. They're like, okay, yeah, they deserve to be where they are in the middle. And then you just got – yeah, the NFC East is better than the AFC South. Yeah, they are. And they're better than the NFC North, honestly. Like, you know, Washington did not help that cause this week. You know, losing the Saints and Giants definitely didn't help, but they, they had a bunch of injuries. But, you know, the Eagles won, and, you know, Dallas was really good. So, it, it's tough. But the AFC South, they're bad. It's just a bad division. Colts are 1-4. The, 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 you know, the, the Titans aren't that great. Uh, the Texans are the Texans. They're 1-4. And, you know, Jacksonville's 0-5. They're a walking dumpster fire. It's it, it's bad. amazing, like, how bad this division is. I mean, I I do a lot out of division record-wise. I actually have the AFC South record going into this week. It was 2-10. 2-10 out of division games. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not good. Beware that AFC North. Uh, the Bears at 3-2. and two. Justin Fields may be one of those guys who just wins games. Doesn't put up big numbers. I think personally they've got the cuffs on him the way Miami had the cuffs on uh, Tua Tagovailoa yeah. last year, not letting him throw the ball downfield. Almost Nick Sirianni like here in Philadelphia. My, my bold prediction with the Bears this year was I had to do one for every team. I said the Bears will make the playoffs if Justin Fields starts Week One. He didn't start Week One, so I, but they have a shot because the NFC no one's outside of a couple teams. It's like you were saying yesterday. Those are a half game out of this thing. It's yep. And the Bears are—they're a wild card team right now, so I could be wrong there. It's they, the Bears might make it just because the NFC outside the top half—it's not that very good. J.K., good stuff again today. Thank you much for jumping into Johnny Max slot. Uh, we'll certainly get you up at least one day next week. Did a uh, very good job for us this week. Thank you much, brother. Uh, always a pleasure, Jody. I love coming on here. My pleasure. John McMullen will be back tomorrow as we lead up to the Thursday night game between the. Eagles and the Bucks. We'll be back here in 22 hours on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.